0: Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in the last couple of programs, we've been discussing flood legends of cultures around the world. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Hebrew story is recorded in the book of Genesis, and as believers in the Word of God, we consider that account to be true and accurate.
1: Yes, Scott. And when you compare the biblical account with the others, the details in the Bible— Concerning measurements and time frames and even the physical phenomena described are reasonable, unlike many of the details mentioned in the other stories. And so
0: far we've looked at the flood legends from Greek mythology, Babylonian poetry, the Casca Indians of British Columbia, and the Ching Pa people of Burma, each having some similarities with the Hebrew account and some
1: wildly divergent details. (laughs) But the one detail each has in common is a reference to the flood being global in scale. So today, I want to discuss several more cultures' stories about a global flood. But before I do, I also want to cite the excellent source of information we've been using. It's the book written by Charles Martin, entitled Flood Legends, global clues of a common event. Mr. Martin has done extensive research, not only collecting the stories from around the world, but translating some of them into English himself not taking for granted that existing translations of many of the stories are accurate renderings of what was written in the original language of that culture or people group. And speaking of accuracy, one
0: of the major points Martin makes in the book is what we find in the similarities and differences of the various legends is evidence for the telephone principle of the propagation of information. Uh, telephone principle, explain what that is, Scott. Well, he's referring to that party game where a person whispers a statement in a person's ear, then that person whispers it into the next person's ear, and so on. Then after everyone has had the statement passed on to them, one person at a time, the last person in line says out loud the statement that was relayed to them. Have you ever played that game? (laughs) A long time ago, when I was a kid. (laughs) What always happens is there will be some accurate parts or words, and there will be some very different often silly and wildly different, words in the statement as it's spoken by the person who repeats
1: it at the end. And the point Martin makes so well is both the similarities and differences in the varying accounts indicate their common source. Now, was the original story only just that, a story? Or was it based on an actual event? That is, of course, debated by those who believe the Bible and those who don't. However, the credibility of the Bible is well documented. Over and over again, what once was dismissed by the skeptics ends up being corroborated by archaeology, science, and the discovery of other literary sources. From the perspective of geology alone, there is overwhelming evidence of a global flood but the adamantly opposed evolutionists insist on explanations involving multiple ice ages and global catastrophes separated by hundreds of millions of years. Well, we're not going to discuss those arguments here. What I'm going to do is look at the result of a cultural game of telephone that took place over a few thousand years. As you pointed out, Scott, we've considered the Greek, Babylonian, Casca, and ching legends. Those four cultures coming from Europe, the Middle East, North America, and Central Asia.
0: <laughs> the geographical spread of just those four cultures is almost worldwide. Well, that's right,
1: and we're going to see an even greater dispersion. The next legend we'll look at is from the ancient Aryan people. The Indian Hindu culture descended from them, as recorded in their religious texts, called the Mahabharata, a flood story. In this story, a man named Manu saves a great fish, and in gratitude, the fish tells him to build a boat in order to be saved from the deluge that's coming. This account is one that Charles Martin translated himself. It was originally written in Sanskrit. So I'll read what he writes, When the fish had been thrown into the sea by Manu, he smiled and said, Lord, having done this and having taken care of me with all distinction, listen to me so that you may do what is necessary. Soon, fortune favored Lord, the dissolution of all moving and unmoving things of earth is near. This deluge of the worlds is approaching. I know this so that you may have the advantage today. Of the mobile, the immobile, and of this that moves and that which is stationary, all ends in violent water. A boat is to be built by you, furnished with a sturdy cord. There with the seven rashi, sit, great Manu, and take with you all the seeds as spoken of by the Brahmins long ago. Preserving them in portions. Remain in the boat and wait for me. And be protected from the desolation by my affection. Now I'm going to skip a little bit and go to the next section of the story. Continuing to read. In this way, the Lord of men crossed the ocean. With his boat dancing angrily with the thundering waves and violent winds. The boat rolled about, staggering like a drunk prostitute. (laughs) In all directions, neither the earth nor the sky were seen. All was sea, and only Manu, the fish, and the seven, Rashi, could be seen then in the disordered earth. The fish pulled the boat carefully through the floodwaters for many years, finally dragging it to the highest peak of the Himalayas. Okay, I'll stop reading there. So, as with the other legends, there are obvious dramatic differences in this story in the biblical account, but there are also indisputable similarities. The consistent detail being the global scope of the deluge. Yes. And what else stands out to you, Scott?
0: Well, Dr. Scripture, first, I have a question. You know, the story mentions seven Rishi.
1: What is a (laughs) rishi? Good question. It's an enlightened person. And another name for such a person is a yogi. Okay, so in the
0: story, the fish tells Manu, who is, analogous to Noah, right? Right. Okay, the fish tells Manu to take seven rashi with him in the boat. Mm -hmm. That makes eight
1: people who are saved in the boat that the fish told Manu to build. (laughs) Great observation. Just as in the ark that the Lord told Noah to build, eight people, including Noah, were saved. I also think the violence of the flood and the period of time being many years and then finally the boat landing on the highest mountain, in this case in the Himalayas which are the mountains just north of India, are all very interesting details that parallel the biblical account of the flood as well. All these details taken together can't logically be explained by simple coincidence. But where the biblical account, I submit, is reasonable, a talking fish pulling a boat around for many years is not. No. Uh, Dr.
0: Scripture, one other detail in the Hindu legend that is similar to the Hebrew account is Manu took seeds with him, Mm -hmm. but then on the other hand, it doesn't say he took two of
1: every kind of animal. Well, that's right. So fitting with the telephone principle, there are both similarities and differences between the original and passed down versions of the events. So we've got time for another one. Let's look at another culture's flood legend. This one is from the region of the northern part of South America, where modern-day Venezuela is. And these Indians, called the Carina people, also navigated in various parts of the Caribbean. Their story is truly remarkable in the similarity of details. I'm going to read most of the story as written in Charles Martin's book, Flood Legends, Global Clues of a Common Event. Here is the flood according to the Carina peoples. In days long past, the sky god, Capitano, came down to the kingdom of the Carina. Children, he called, hear me well. Soon a great rain will fall upon the earth and will cover all with water. Out of everyone there, however, only four couples were afraid. When they heard his words, they listened, though the rest scoffed. I am your father and your God, he insisted. I desire that none of you should perish. I will help you build a canoe that will hold everyone so that no one drowns. You are not Caputano, they said, and there is no flood. But the four couples, scared half out of their wits, listened to what he said. The rest continued to make fun of him. So be it, said Caputano. Then Caputano, with the other eight people, began to build a very large canoe. It was a great canoe, and when they were done, they went about gathering two of each animal to put on board. They also brought seeds from every plant on earth. The moment everyone was on board, the sky grew black. The wind picked up. The earth shook, and it began to rain. It rained and rained. The rain kept on for many, many days. It rained so hard, the rivers overflowed. Water was everywhere, and all the animals outside were swept away. There was so much water, not even the tops of the tallest trees were visible. Those Carina who were outside, those who would not believe Capitano, could not be rescued, and they were drowned. The waves came and came, and they were so high that the entire world was covered. Many days later, when the waters began to recede and the land began to dry, the four couples exited the canoe. They looked at their world. It was void and empty, with nothing to be seen, Caputano asked them, do you like it this way or would you want something different? How do you want it to look? The Carina told him that no one could survive in a place like this. Where are the trees, they asked. How are we to weave baskets and make roofs for our houses if there aren't any palm leaves? How are we supposed to grow food without mountain slopes? Where is their shelter? So Caputano, out of love for his children, created a new earth for the Carina. He filled it with rivers and trees, lakes and marshes, mountains and hills, and the Karina lived there forever, happy and content. Dr. Scripture, as you were reading, I was amazed by all the similarities
0: between the Karina legends and the flood story in the Bible. Mm-hmm. They brought pairs of animals. There were eight people who survived. The general populace mocked the idea of a flood. Right? You know, there are just so many similarities. And even, you know, when he said something to the effect of, I'm your father and I'm not willing that any of you should perish or something like that.
1: That Uh, sounds familiar, too. Yeah, that almost (laughs) is like right out of the New Testament. Now, I would think that this Carina legend predated the New Testament, but you never know. But I'd say that this one by far is the closest to the biblical account in the kinds of details that they have. Really what stood out to me the most, you touched on it, was the people rejecting the warning that the flood was coming, just like in the days of Noah, because we're told that Noah was preaching, and of course we know that no one got on the ark except Noah and his family. So only the four couples, and again, eight people, who uh, therefore built the large canoe because they listened to Caputano, and they were saved, them and two of each animal that they had gathered and took with them. So, as the Genesis account makes it clear, everything died except the creatures that were on that ark. So, let me read Genesis 7 verses 21 through 23 in closing. And all flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind. Of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the Spirit of life died. Thus, He blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left, together with those that were with him in the ark. And that's not what I say, that's what scripture says.